On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what concern is that to you and to me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now standing there were six stone water jars for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to them, Fill the jars with water, and they filled them up to the brim. He said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the chief steward. So they took it. When the steward tasted the water that had, come, had become wine and did not know where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the steward called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first, and then the inferior wine after the guests have become drunk. But you have kept the good wine until now. Jesus did this, the first of his signs in Cana of Galilee, and revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. Whenever I hear the gospel reading this morning, the first thing, <laughs> this will tell you my state of mind, by the way, the first thing that my mind goes to is a little bit of mathematics. So just for a moment, let's take this into consideration. A gallon of liquid weighs 8.35 pounds. We know how many jars there were and how many gallons approximately they held. So we're looking at 1,002 pounds of wine, just a half ton, not including the wine that they had already drank before that. <laughs> Folks, this was a party right here. <laughs> this is the kind of party where you wake up the next morning and look at your spouse and go, what happened? <laughs> it must have been an extraordinary gathering. I have to assume that maybe hundreds and hundreds of people for that much wine to have been drank. And as fun as it is to ruminate about that and think about it, that's not what we're looking at this morning. The Gospel of John is broken up into seven miracles. Some people say six, some say seven. It's seven miracles. And at the end of the seventh miracle, uh, Jesus proclaims that he and the Father are one, which is blasphemy, and that is what ends him up at the cross and being put to death. And so there's these series of miracles, this being the first, the wedding at Cana of Galilee that we see. And we even see this discussion between Jesus and his mother where uh, he's not ready. Um, you know, woman, what do you want from me? My time has not come. And she, like the good mother, says, whatever, you're going. So um, she says, you know, do what my son says, and they do it. 
and we have this extraordinary miracle. But the more important thing to me is the thread that weaves throughout all of the text this morning um, in Isaiah and also in Corinthians and even to, in the Psalm too. But in Isaiah, it's all about renewal um, and what will be given by God in the new land and in the new Messiah. And um, in the Psalm, it is all about the same renewal and even goes so far as to say the drink that is poured out. And of course, in Paul's letter to the church in Corinth, it is about renewal, spiritual renewal, and that they may not understand certain things. And so let me sort of highlight them for you so that you might understand these gifts and what is available to you. And so one of the things that happens whenever we talk about this particular piece of Scripture, both John and Corinthians, that we go to the vault and we take out some old words. Fred Craddock used to talk about this. We take out words that we don't use anymore that are kind of quaint and old, and one of those words is charismatic. Now, that word was used a couple of years ago, and it scared the whole denomination, and they put it back. Um, so, but I need you to think about it for a moment, and just bear with me. The whole notion is, is that we are changed into something new in Christ. And oftentimes, people will come to me and they'll say, I feel as though my life has grown stagnant in my faith. I'm not, it seems like maybe God's not with me anymore or I'm just kind of stuck in a rut. And um, what is oftentimes happening is that they have arrived at a point where they have not taken full advantage of the relationship that's open to them in the power of the Holy Spirit. The reason for this is very simple. It's scary. People do not want to relinquish control. I don't. And in essence, that's what you have to do for that life. You have to give up the control and be open to letting the Spirit lead your life. And that is something that scares people to death. And it scares me sometimes too. But it is available to you. It is something that you can grasp and enjoy and have such an extraordinary spirit-filled relationship with Jesus Christ that it will just lead you to a level that you probably can't even fathom right now except for those of you that have walked into that light already. And that's not to say, if you haven't, that you're less of a Christian. You're not. God loves you regardless. Spirit loves you regardless. And they never are not with you. They're always with you. It's entirely up to you. Last week, John said, I baptize you with water, but one who is greater than I is coming, and he will baptize you with fire. This is exactly what we're talking about. The winnowing fork is in his hand, and he's going to clear his threshing floor. And so we're talking about the burnishing off of things that are old and the bringing on of things that are new, like the new wine that's created. You are a new wine to the world. You have agreed that you believe in Jesus Christ. And so, therefore, you are a libation to be poured out for the peoples of the earth 
so that they may see and know God and know Him more fully. In 1965, one of the seminal books of the renewal movement from the Episcopal perspective was written by a man by the name of Keith Miller. It's a book called um, A Taste of New Wine. And uh, actually, I think there's two or three copies of it in our library, and I've read it a couple of times. You should read it. It's actually very good. Um, It's not flaky in any sense whatsoever. Um, And he very craftily uh, is able to talk about the renewal of your life in the Spirit in a new life in Jesus Christ without using any huge overtly religious language of Christianity, but rather talks about it in a very common way that is new and exciting and transformative, and it will really move you. It's really quite extraordinary, the book is. And so I recommend it to you. I hope that you'll, you'll read it. I love this quote in here from it. I wrote a book called A Taste of New Wine because I couldn't find a book that talked about the reality of the situation and how we were dishonest and afraid. That's just where we're at sometimes when it comes to a new life in the Spirit. All of those things that Paul talks about this morning, prophecy, wisdom, the utterance of words, the utterance of tongues, the interpretation of tongues, all of those things are real. Some people will tell you that they passed away with the apostles. They did not. They're here. I've seen them. Someone asked me one time if I believed in the utterance of words and wisdom. I said, believe it. I've seen it. And I have. I've seen it happen. The decision comes down to what he just talked about in that quote. The dishonesty, which is a dishonesty with ourselves, not to other people. And that is selling ourselves on a bill of goods that says, this is as far as I can come in my faith and I can go no further, which is absolutely not the truth. Your faith and your life in Jesus Christ can be so broad, so beautiful, so extraordinary that people will see it in you and you will utterly be changed. They may not even recognize you. That's how great it is. But we have to be willing to do it. We have to be willing to receive the grace of Jesus Christ that was given to us in the cross and to pay it out, being new wine to the world, so that people may see us and know who God is in heaven and glorify his name. And so today, when you leave, the bridegroom is prepared to come and get the bride, which is the church, that is us. Christ is prepared to come and turn you into the new celebration, the new wine that is given for the world. All you have to do in order to receive it is to pray for it, and it will be given to you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.